Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. This morning's reading can be found on page 1140 of the Church Bibles. And we're reading in Romans chapter 13, and we're going to begin at verse 8 and not verse 11, as it says in the order of service. Romans chapter 13, verses 8 to 14, page 1140. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another, for whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. The commandments... You shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and whatever other command there may be are summed up in this one command, love your neighbour as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbour, therefore love is the fulfilment of the law. And do this understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over, the day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy, rather, Clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. This is the word of the Lord. Well, thank you so much, David. And um, let me begin by adding my welcome to that of Matthew's for Matt's earlier. My name is Johnny. I'm the vicar here at Christ Church Forward. And a particular warm welcome if you're visiting us, and maybe meeting up with family, catching up with friends, or maybe you're new. And uh, we'd lovely to, to, to have you here this morning. Don't rush off. It'd be great just to, to introduce yourselves at the end and so we can say hi. Well, before we dig into God's word, uh, why don't we pray together? Father, we thank you again for the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we seek to recommit ourselves to a life of trust and faith in him. We pray that you, Father, would speak to us through your word this morning. In your name, amen. Well, as Matt said, it's a, it is a one-off, so it's an opportunity for me to kind of pick a passage. And um, I guess I feel for us as a church, this is a pertinent passage. I think because you see the, the coming months uh, and years unfold, I think, God willing, we'll look back and see the importance of starting in this space and in this place for us as a church to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, when I got up this morning, I confess I was slightly rushed. Matt knows that. I ran in. I was, I was slightly late this morning. But I, I began, of course, but I got dressed. I put on my clothes. And I put on my clothes, I suppose, with, with the intention that these clothes would be part of me all day today, and that they would go where I go and do what I do. 
Also, I put on these clothes to, to cover me and make me presentable for the day ahead. You know, that is, after all, the purpose of clothes. In the same way, the, the Apostle Paul is saying to us here in verse 14, put on Jesus Christ when you get up in the morning. Make him a part of your life each day. Intend that he goes with you everywhere you go and that he acts through you in everything you do. Call upon his resources. Live your life in Christ. Don't go out of the door without putting him on. Now these verses have forever been made famous by that connection with the conversion of Augustine, Saint Augustine. Augustine was a, was a young man in the 4th century who lived a, a wild, a, a godless life. And he said of himself, I forbade myself nothing, went into anything and everything. His life was marked by pride and ambition. And as people still do today, he came to hate himself for it. And one day he was with a friend in, in a garden and he walked up and down bemoaning his inability to change. Maybe you've had this experience. Oh, tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. How can I free myself from these terrible urges within me that drive me to, think, to do things that hurt me? And in his despair, he, he walked in the garden and he suddenly heard what he thought was, was a voice of a child. Maybe there was a group of children who were playing just next door. And the voice said, take and read, take and read. Now he could not remember any children's games with those words, with words like that, but the words stuck. So he went back to the table and found lying on it a copy of Paul's letter to the Romans. He flipped it open and these were the words he read. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Now in these past three weeks, we've been meditating on the book of Isaiah, chapter 40 and 41. Precious times for us as a church family as we've reflected upon a God who offers comfort to his people, upon a God who comes to his little people. Do you remember that? With the promise, so do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10. And with a sense of our human limitations, we have been invited to put our trust completely in a God who has no limitations, to clothe ourselves with faith in Christ. Now, I was looking back this week at the uh, Vicar's Annual General Meeting Report, you know, at the APCM that I, that I gave last May. And in it, I gave my first impressions of the church in my first nine months here. And this is what I said. My earliest impression is a church that loves Christ. It's a church that takes seriously the glorious hope in the gospel and longs to know Jesus more. It is obvious that these past years have not been easy for anyone. And yet for the vast majority, the desire to fix their eyes on Jesus, the true shepherd, the author and perfecter of their faith has only grown as confidence in human leadership 
and human structures has been questioned. Now, my sense is that the Lord has used these last few years of the life of Christ Church forward to strip away our dependence on ourselves, upon our human wisdom. And the Lord is teaching us daily to put on Christ, to depend on Christ. It's as if we've been left with nowhere else to turn but to Jesus. No other clothes to wear but Him. And in our passage this morning, the the Apostle Paul speaks as someone who has walked a similar journey. A journey of growing dependence on Christ. You see, he is a man who is battered and bruised for the gospel, both physically and spiritually. See, he is a man who has been let down by fellow Christians and seen brothers and sisters fall away from the faith and even had Christians turn against him. And while his confidence in people may have waned, his confidence in Christ has only grown. And interestingly, I want you to notice that his trust in God has grown stronger the more his sight has been fixed on the next life, on the life to come. I was with someone just recently in a, on a pastoral matter who was coming to grips with the reality of, of a diagnosis of a fatal illness. And I was particularly struck by the wife of that person who seemed genuinely surprised herself when she said to me, through this mess, my faith has only grown stronger. And she had been forced to wake up to the reality of life and death. And in that space, her faith was, more, was becoming more real and more vibrant. Now, as many of you know, the, the book of Romans is roughly, it's divided into two parts. You've got in chapters 1 to 11. Paul there sort of expounds the gospel and he shows how it was accomplished. And then in chapters 12 through 16, Paul takes the, the essence of, of the gospel, which he's just expounded, and he applies the gospel to the Christian life. And some of the application in chapters 12 and 13 includes Paul saying things like this, that we should go out of our way to care for one another in the church family, that we should submit to governing authorities, and that we should love our neighbors as we love ourselves. And then we come to the final section in chapter 13, the day is near. Here, Paul wants to to remind us to live our lives daily in the light of eternity, He wants to to give all of us a gentle prompt. He knows that we can be creatures of comfort. Sometimes we need a a gentle shake. He knows also that we can be creatures of fear. Sometimes we need a, a gentle reassurance that the Lord has got me and he's got my future. And these verses this morning are Paul's plea to us to put on Christ. Why waste another day, he's saying, in the confines and ill-fitting clothes of this life? Now, he's already told us not to conform any longer to the pattern of this world back there in chapter 12, verse 1. And now he urges us to remember what the time is and then to live appropriately. 
So let's see first then why we need to put on Christ. Look there at verse 11. And do this, that's all the practical application stuff that he's been talking about already in chapters 12 and 13. And do this understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your sleep or slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. Now by salvation, Paul is he's not talking about when we first became Christians. What he means here is that the completion of our salvation in heaven is nearer now than when we first believed. Essentially, what, what Paul is saying is we need to be serious about our faith. We need to put on Christ today because we are one day nearer to heaven today than yesterday. Now, the truth is we tend to live as people who are rooted in this life with very little focus on eternity. And Paul says, best not live like that. It's not wise. If that's us, he's saying, you know, we need to, to wake up from our slumber. Now, it's just worth pausing at this point to ensure that we're all on the same page here. The question is, I guess, is are we clear what Paul actually means when he says, wake up? And it's both a warning and it's a comfort for us. It's a warning in that it's a, it's a call, I suppose, for us to, to throw off that spiritual, moral slumber where we are sleeping. And you know, you know when you sleep, you're not really aware, are you, of your surroundings. You're just sort of kind of in a dreamland. You're not aware of what's going on at the present moment around you. So Paul wants us to be, to be morally, spiritually awake. He wants us to be alive to God and to his spirit and to the gospel and to the age to come and to what God is doing in our lives and doing in the world and doing here in this church. He, wants, he doesn't want us to be in this sort of state of stupor, the slumber of moral indifference, spiritual deadness and darkness. And one of the books I used to love when I was a kid was John Bunyan's The Pilgrim's Progress. I hope you've read it. If not, then it's not too late. It's a great little read. But if you remember, there are several times in the book where there are warnings about the danger of sleep. And I took the opportunity this week to look them up. Now, one time, Christian has found himself in a place of rest. But you remember, he rests for too long and he falls asleep. And when he falls asleep, he loses the scroll that he carries around with him. And that scroll represents his assurance of salvation. He loses it because he's sleeping. And it's only sometime later when he realizes that he no longer has assurance that he's been saved. That he has to then go back and retrace his steps through many tears to find his assurance again to find that roll or scroll that he had lost when he was asleep. Another time, uh, these, uh, these shepherds, they, they warn Christian and his friend, hopeful about a place called the Enchanted Ground. And the Enchanted Ground is this place where the air is sort of really thick and it, and it makes people who are traveling through it drowsy. It's kind of like in The, uh, the Wizard of Oz, when Dorothy and, and her chums are walking through the field of poppies which has been subject to a spell by the Wicked Witch. Do you remember that scene in the movie? 
It's kind of like that. They're falling asleep. So Christian and, and Hopeful have to work with each other to keep each other awake. And then there's one other time as well, where even, even near the cross, there are these three characters who are, who are sort of near the cross. You remember where that cross is where, of course, Christian loses his burden of sin. But the truth is, is that these three characters are not really walking on this journey. And their names are uh, Simple, Sloth, and Presumption. Simple is not really into studying the Bible. Sloth doesn't want to work hard, but he doesn't want to follow hard after God. There's not really any zeal there. He's slothful. And presumption thinks, well, you know, he's nearly there. He's safe if he's nearly there. And he's, he's presuming on God's grace and mercy. But he's not really earnestly embracing Christ. And they all fall asleep near the cross. I think that's a warning for us. Now, those are pictures of the dangers of sleep. And Paul is warning us about it, and he's seeking to rouse us from sleep and say, it's time, brothers and sisters, to wake up. But in the injunction to wake up, there's also comfort here for us. You know, the truth is, there are those nights that seem never to end when sleep is fitful. Dreams are more nightmares, those dark nights of the soul, when all seems hopeless and this life seems too hard to keep going with. So it's also comfort, a call to, to wake up. This life with all its brokenness and darkness isn't the main theme. Put on Christ. The day is coming. That's the promise. Now there is a coming, a day when Christ will come a second time. And that's going to happen. And when it happens, Paul says, if you've been justified by his blood in the past, you'll be saved from his judgment in the future. And on that day, we will stand fully clothed in his beautiful robes of righteousness. And wrong will be righted, and the past will seem like a shadow, and the darkness will end. That salvation is going to come. That deliverance is going to come when Jesus comes again, and our salvation is brought to completion. And it's exciting. Part of what that will mean for us is seeing Jesus as he is, and then becoming like him, glorified. So that even our very bodies will be resurrected from the dead, transformed and we will be made like Christ in every way completely free from sin see that's the salvation that we're waiting for our redemption is drawing near your salvation is nearer now than when you first believed that's what Paul is saying and then notice he uses a metaphor for this in verse 12 he says, the night is nearly over, the day is almost here. Now what he's doing here is sort of picturing all of our human history as being characterized by two ages. The age of night and the age of day. The age of darkness, the age of light. You might think of it as the, the old age and the age to come. And what Paul is saying here, he's saying, though you are currently living in this present evil age, 
the darkness is almost over. The night is almost over. The day has dawned. The morning has dawned. You see the first blush of sunrise on the horizon. The day is dawned or was dawned or dawned with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He's coming again. And you no longer belong to the old age. You belong now to the new age. So don't live as a person who belongs to the darkness, but live as a person who belongs to the light. Don't let this darkness consume you. Grab hold of Christ, says Paul. Look up. Look to the coming light, the hope of eternity. So this is why, then, we need to put on Christ. But second, we need to ask, how do we put on Christ? What does it look like in practice? So the first command here, I suppose, was to, to wake up from sleep. And here we have the second command, to cast off or to put aside the deeds of darkness. And this here is the application, I suppose, of what Paul has just said about the day and the night. So, verse 12, so let us Put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. What Paul's doing here, he's sort of carrying forward this metaphor, this sort of word picture, and he's applying it to how we live. And there is, of course, this sort of basic one-two punch. This is always characteristic of Paul. He tells you what not to do, and then he tells you what to do. There's both a negative and a, and a positive Here's how you don't live, and here's how you do live. Remove the deeds of darkness, that's the negative. Put on the armor of light, that's the positive. And then he expands on the thought in verse 13. Let us behave or, or walk decently as in the daytime. That's how you're to live. That means to live with decency as someone who is characterized by light walking in daytime. And then he expands, putting off the deeds of darkness with three pairs of words. And he's targeting here three patterns of sin. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness. He says, don't do that, that's the first pair. And don't be involved in sexual immorality and debauchery. That's so basically any kind of sexual activity outside of the confines of marriage. <clears throat> and thirdly, do not be involved in dissension and jealousy or quarreling and jealousy. They're the sort of relational sins. It's the, it's the bickering and, and, and the fighting and the malice and contempt that so often is characteristic of human relationships. I want to suggest to you then, if Paul was writing to us today, he would say something like this, let me just slightly ch change uh, the, the, that, that paragraph just a little bit or tweak it slightly. I think you say something like this Since the night is almost over and the day is at hand, put off those deeds of darkness. Don't get drunk. Don't indulge in porn. Don't be involved in petty workplace fights. Instead, live a life that is marked by self control and moral purity and peacemaking and loving one another. Now, the picture here that Paul is giving us is someone who's been asleep and they've been in their pajamas, basically. 
it's Amelia. They've been in their, their night clothes. The idea is, is here is to, is to put off the pajamas and get dressed for the day. Put off the dark deeds and put on Christ. You see that? And we don't go to work in our pajamas, do we? Although I do realize that for some, Zoom may have changed that. But you take the point. We're not going to, to get into our cars and drive to work or meet a friend for coffee in our pajamas. And Paul is saying that if you do that, don't do that. Don't go to work in your pajamas. It's ridiculous. Instead, get dressed for the morning, get dressed for the day, and go to work well-dressed, well-prepared for the day. Clothe yourselves in the Lord Jesus Christ, he's saying. Now, 2024, it's, uh, it's well on its way, isn't it? It's been good for us as a church to begin with prayer in January. It's been good to, to stop and, and meditate on the Lord during our, our times together in Isaiah on Sunday mornings. It's been a time, I, I would suggest, for us to, to declutter and to set straight what matters as we look to the rest of 2024. A time to remind ourselves that we depend completely on the Lord for all our provision. Now it's our, it's our memory verse, as Matt reminded us this morning. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord, those who depend completely on the Lord, will renew their strength. Pop it on your fridge. Make sure it's lying around. Remind yourself of this truth. Augustine said that after reading those verses in Romans chapter 13, at that moment, he said that he opened his life to Jesus. He said that he had known about him, but had never surrendered to him. But in that moment, when he did surrender, he felt the healing touch from Jesus, cleansing his life. And he was never the same person again. You can see here, can't you, how putting on Christ isn't actually all about action. It's also about letting go of our control, of surrendering control to our God. It may be uh, this morning, wherever we are in our spiritual journey, it may be that we are needing a fresh healing touch from our Savior. A touch that cleanses, a touch that forgives, a touch that renews, a touch that restores, a touch that heals. And it's that touch that transcends every boundary and barrier. And that is what Jesus is capable of doing. If we would but reach out to him and say, Lord, come to me. Put on Christ. John Chrysostom described putting on Christ as never to be forsaken by him. And Jesus always been seen in us through our holiness and through our gentleness. By putting on Christ, you see, we are given the power to love. I hope you noticed as David read that, that's the context actually. It's, it's one of love. If we would but choose to put on Christ this power of love amongst us and around our surrounding neighborhood will be released. 
See, in this world, this radical gospel love has the power to change everything around us. It can change our homes, our lives, our communities, our nation, the world. Because a risen Lord is available to us to live through us. I love one commentator's translation of verse 14. Let us be cross people from head to foot and give no chance to the flesh to have its fling. We come now to the table. We know, don't we, our sinfulness. So one final thought, if I may, as we prepare our hearts to come. Now one reason, I guess, we, we, we wear clothes is to cover ourselves, as I said at the beginning of our time together. It's to, it's to cover ourselves, it's to cover our nakedness, isn't it really, actually? And remember in Genesis chapter 3 when Adam and Eve had fallen and they realized they were naked. And they were suddenly very ashamed and they, they tried to cover themselves with fig leaves. Remember that? And that's not working, so God provides coverings for them. Animals are are sacrificed and slain, and and God provides garments to cover their nakedness. And that is a picture of the gospel. See, the gospel is not about us sewing together, sort of the, the sort of fig leaves of our good works in order to cover our shame and our sin. The gospel is about clothing ourselves in what Christ has done. His obedience, his blood, his righteousness is what covers our shame and sin. That's why we gather now around the table to remember that. Do you remember these words of the old hymn? Nothing in my hands I bring, simply to the cross I cling. Naked come to thee for dress, helpless look to thee for grace. Foul I to the fountain fly. Wash me, Savior, or I die. Do we need a gentle shake this morning out of our slumber? Or do we need a reminder not to fear, for the night will soon pass. You know, wherever we might be at, the table is an invitation to clothe ourselves in Christ. It's an invitation to recommit our lives to Christ. Amen. I'll just take a moment just to be quiet. Father, here are faulting, stumbling words this morning as we seek to point one another to the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you that this table you have arms open wide. We come, Lord, in our brokenness. We thank you for your grace and your kindness. Draw us near to you, we ask, even this morning. Amen.